So Helio takes the 500, Pelot becomes an endorser of fried chicken, and one of the sport's brightest stars could be heading to F1. Totally IndyCar. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey gang, welcome to episode 328 of Motorsport 101. Glad you could join us. Um, now, as I mentioned on last week's show, we didn't have any of our major series actually race over the course of this weekend. I know, one of the busiest motorsport calendars of all time, and we actually got a week off from everything. Weird. In October, of all things, as well. But, to fill the void for this week, we decided to go back and review the IndyCar 2021 season proper. Why? Because it was damn fun, and it and we, and we it's, it's a good time to talk about it, as far as I'm concerned. So, let's go around the horn, as always. First up, RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. Congratulations to Moki Nogiri on winning the 2021 Super Formula Championship. There was racing that happened. Uh, looks like Top Gat Rack Razgadioglu is probably going to win World Superbikes. Probably. Because there's, like, one scheduled race meeting left, and... I don't know how the situation is in Indonesia that's going to allow it. Uh, and also, yeah. Kyle Larson won a boring race at Texas, but that's NASCAR Texas for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have to come to accept this at this point, unfortunately. Uh, Mr. Larson is inevitable in the way NASCAR is going this season as he qualifies for the final four of the NASCAR championship. He can't keep getting away with this. Etc. <laughs> Etc. Et also, we have Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, I am somewhat uh, <laughs> frustrated that there was no racing last week because uh, I had a first weekend in a new job and I had a lot of content to fill up that empty void of nothing that was happening. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We need to we need to introduce Ryan King by his new title. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. I, I didn't want to be the one to do it, but uh, I guess as host, I get to say, I get to now say, Jalopnik Weekend Editor, Ryan Eric King, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! Yes. <laughs> yes! I feel like a proud older brother right now. It's, it's, it was delightful when I heard I got the news. I, I, I jumped up and down at work. It was great. Um, congratulations, King. Um, you know, you, you, you get to... <laughs> Brilliant. Um, congratulations, my man. How was the first weekend in Jalopnik for you? Uh, it, was, it was chaos. It was pure chaos <laughs> due to a string of technical difficulties behind the scenes, which I will not get into. <laughs> you mean you mean there wasn't a group Slack chat for everyone to panic in? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Kings out here first weekend, fire and blind. Love to see it. Um, uh, but uh, also, I love that you're also bringing the boat news to Jalopnik as well. Like you, you, you brought in, you brought in a new audience, and uh, for Bob that, Bob I Bob salute you. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Congratulations to Kick. Go read his stuff over at Jalopnik every weekend. It's going to be great. Um, delighted for him. He's, he's an excellent writer and uh, yeah, just all round ridiculously intelligent historical buff. And he will, I'm sure, he'll convey that as best as he possibly can on the website. It's going to be awesome. So, well done, King. Congratulations, man. And uh, we're all delighted for you. I'm sure Cam is too. Um, even though he's not here, he's uh, becoming a Corvette boomer officially. He's, <laughs> he's become a job. Corvette guy. <laughs> so we get to roast him for that next week. Uh, look forward to that. So we have to call in a guest, and 
we have no better guest to bring in for an IndyCar race review than Chris Harde. Sadly, he wasn't available, so we got Zoe Hamilton instead. Hi, Zoe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <Man> <laughs> So we come back. <laughs> I, I will say I will be completely unbiased during this whole thing, she says, while wearing an Alex Blow hat. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we it's don't the only you can get. <laughs> that, because Biases? I did have to. <laughs> Me? No, no. Never would have no. heard of such a thing. <laughs> Un- unlikely. You know, this. Can you, if you want to get you one of your Yankee jerseys out at this point to complete the joke, feel free. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, in it's my a- defence, it's also like the only merch you can buy that doesn't cost more in the shipping. Yes. Uh, if, if any UK fans are also IndyCar fans, you know exactly what we're talking about when it comes to buying merch off their store and the international shipping costs. It's not quite as bad as it used to be, but it's still obscene. Like, 35 bucks a time. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit yeah. much, to say the it, least. It was the advantage of me going to a race. Yeah, it helps. It helps. <laughs> To be fair, I, my, my proudest cap, my signed James Hinchcliffe one, is a direct result of you being in a race. So for that, yes. I take tremendous pride in, and my <laughs> eternal thanks. Um, yes. So, yeah, the four of us are here. Also, RJ, our Dodgers are coming for you in the playoffs. Um, I want to make this absolutely clear. I've, insist- I've already accepted that this is going to happen. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody is picking the Atlanta Baseball Club to be favorites in the series. Not with twenty fewer regular season wins. Not with our, not with Georgia sports' professional reputation of coming through in the clutch, the way that someone comes through with a case of food poisoning as they rush into the toilet. I apologize for making this show descend into vomit humor. <laughs> I only mention this because RJ has ribbed me about this ever since this series started with me being the Dodgers fan in here and him being the Atlanta. You've ribbed me over every game. I've I've seen our Discord. Do not try and argue this. It wasn't wasn't targeted. You you, you poked (laughs) the bear. Mm. I will have my revenge. I poked poked the bear and then Cody Bellinger smacked a neck-high ball about 500 feet the other way. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm glad that he's healthy again. Uh, there's no cap. <laughs> he hates it. He hates it intensely. Um, but without further ado, uh, we'll be getting into the IndyCar season review very, very shortly. We'll be going team by team up and down the paddock. We'll be talking about their seasons, their drivers, some future plans, you know, etc. It's going to be going to be a fun time. But in the meantime, basically, you can find us before we get into all of that. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport1. Well, if you're watching us on there, hi, subscribe, hit the like button, hit the bell for notifications, all that good stuff. And we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter, motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us, our personal handles, you can at uh, Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at Wee Zoe down the bottom. If you need Cam, it's Buckley 917 <laughs> Only fair, he gives Zoe a plug. Go follow her, give her a motorsport101 bump from us. Um, <laughs> or on Instagram as well, at motorsport101 pod. You can follow us on there. Um, and if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to 
to all of the audio episodes we produce, 10 bucks for the video version, and access to live recordings of the show as they go out um, in the Supporters Club of our Discord server. And you can find all those details and much more, including our written content as well, on our website, motorsport101.com. Check that out if you haven't already. Right, without further ado, let's get into the IndyCar Season Review. Okay, everybody, let the let the good times roll. So we're going to go team by team here as we go up and down the grid, largely from the back to the front. We get to the big teams at the end, roughly. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of vibes overall. Um, we'll go at a little bit of a brisker pace with some of the smaller teams that haven't got too much to talk about. Um, but so yeah, as we go, we'll, we'll we'll have some we'll have a conversation now. Top of my list when I wrote this up was Carlin. And uh, Carlin was fronted mostly in the 59 car by one Max Chilton. Uh, champion position, 25th. Not, not great. I know he, he wasn't in every race. He split the ovals with uh, one Connor Daly. More on him in a bit. Um, just the one top 10 finish all year. Now, when we were planning this, a certain host on this show insisted <laughs> to take the microphone first. I'll give you a hint. It's none of the blokes. Um, <laughs> Zoe, the floor is yours. <laughs> I, I, Chilton has been bothering me for a wee while since he went to Carlin, and I could never quite put my finger on it until this year at Nashville when he'd done an Insta story in regards to results and then went, we're a one-car team that doesn't get to do any testing. And it was mm. then I was like, but you're the driver. Where are you when there's not a race on? The UK. And it's like, he missed the race. He missed the NDGP because he messed up with his timing for trying to come over. Because he has, honestly, he's a good driver. I won't deny he's not a good driver. But the way he looks at IndyCar, it's a holiday. Because you also had, um, I think, when they were in Chicago after the Indy 500, and he po- he, tweet- he posted about his hotel. And again, it was like, this hotel is so much nicer and so much cheaper than the one I had at Indy. And it's like, you're booking a hotel in Indianapolis during the month of May. And you're surprised that the hotel was expensive. Mm. It's, he just, I think when he initially came into the series, he did genuinely want to do well. But it's now clearly hit a point that it's just a thing he gets to do. He gets to spend some time in the sun and then he goes back to England and makes sure his garden is perfectly, the grass (laughs) is all perfectly cut and everything. I mean, the fact that um, his partner, who is a, a watercolour artist, she does animals and she does clouds. And the clouds is... Uh, what was it What, what was it you, when you found it, King? It was like, clouds it, in the UK and the American Midwest. Yes, and I'm like, the Midwest is a huge <laughs> place, and you've only been to, like, two cities. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's it, it, you, it's far you, up. <laughs> uh, it's you like because you've got obviously this year is going to come up later. Grosjean, and the way he took it is completely different. Again, we've got Sato will be coming up later, and again how he's approached, especially during these times, 
is completely different. I think Charlton really needs to have a sit down and decide, does he really want to race an IndyCar? Or does he really want to try and find something in the UK? Or just make sure his garden is absolutely immaculate? Yeah, it it feels like Chilton still thinks it's like the late 60s or the 70s, and he's one of the the European part-timers back in the day where it's like, oh, I can just do like Indianapolis, uh, Milwaukee the week after, and then like come back at the end of the year to do Riverside. I don't have to be here in America. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like we put the line I put in the script was commitment questions, and that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like Chilton is just here on one big holiday where he occasionally gets in a race car, and you know, you know, whether he finishes 11th or 18th or 24th, it just doesn't matter. You know, it just feels so inconsequential. Um, you know, he's he, he's decided not to race on ovals, and that's fine. That's understandable, given yeah. you know the added danger that they provide. I will never hold that against someone if they don't want to do the ovals. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it just feels like he's just there, just spinning the wheels, and like it's, it, just, it just feels like Carlin's just there to make up the numbers at this so, point. And that's frustrating. Though, so, again, I I don't fault Chilton for not wanting to race on the ovals, but. He drives for a one-car team who want to mm-hmm. be in the series full-time. And they they only have this one car. The fact that they can't have a w- one driver for the car for the entire season seems absurd. Yeah. Should we also mention that Carlin do have a car in the Indy Lights? And the driver from that left before the end of the season. Yeah, Alex Peroni left before the end of the season. Their other driver, Christian Bogle, was uh, well. Suffice to say, uh, it was a learning curve for Christian Bogle. Let's uh, let's put it that way. This is your Carlin Indy Lights review. I think Matt Chilton and Carlin, whatever the arrangement was before COVID, because I wouldn't fault Chilton for wanting to commute back from the UK to the US, but it's different now. It's different now in these uncertain times. Registered trademark and whatever the arrangement is or what it was. It ain't working now, and they need to go their separate ways. But Carlin may end up living on as part of some other entity. Will it be with Junko's Hollinger Racing? Will it be with some other entity? Will it still be with Carlin, but with somebody else at sea? Probably not. What a disappointment this has been. For Carlin, Mm. a team that has been dominant in Formula 2, dominant in Formula 3, they, they, every other step of the ladder they raced and they've been fine, except this just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. E- even if you, yeah, even if you factor in Daly's ovals, if you look at it from the entrance standings, they were third from the bottom. Oh, the only two cars that were worse was the number 06 of Mayor Shank, and we all get to the person driving that car in a bit, mm. and the number four Foyt car. Yeah, and they got they got a big break because the leader circle championship, as I've said on the show, uh, the rules are everything's made up and the points don't matter. The points truly <laughs> don't matter. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's a mess, and it would be a shame to see someone of the name of Carlin not be in the series because it is an important name on you know in many circles of motorsport. But this doesn't work. This is not working. They are arguably the worst independent team out there in this series right now and 
Yukos has an excuse. They they were starting over with a brand new workforce. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's and when when this project started, and they started the lights team, and Shelton was really good in lights, mm-hmm. and it obviously made sense because he was in Formula One. Mm-hmm. IndyCar IndyCar was a much different place only a few years ago. Things have ramped up tremendously. Where Pansky don't feel comfortable running four cars anymore. We have, you know, we have. We have another third, uh, another three car team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the level of competitiveness at the front is so high now that you can't just mm-hmm. come in and easily be midfield anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a different ball game now, and we we talked about it at the end of the season as well. It's a it is a greater time for consistency and quality than ever before at IndyCar and. Just being a part-time one-car team with limited resources and no oval running is a recipe for disaster. Um, and that's what it feels like. And hey, if Jinkos buys out that seat, that's a great name to have back in the series. Um, you know, it, it's a, that would be pretty cool to see. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Carlin. No, no confirmation on that yet, but, uh, we'll have to see how they go. Shall we move to a much brighter, uh, prospect in, in the right. wonderful, AJ Foyt Enterprises, <laughs> oh. anyone? <laughs> uh, so, we had, we had Dalton Kennett in the number four car, 23rd overall, I believe the lowest ranking of all the full-time drivers yeah. in every single race this year. Um, best finish of 12th. And in the 14 car, in what would be now his final full-time season in IndyCar, at least full-time anyway, Sebastian Bourdais, who was 16th in the championship. About a couple of fifths, Including one back at home at St. Pete, but uh, it just again, it's just it, we've we've been here before with AJ Foy. It's just not really working for them at the moment. Again, it, it, it seems like a familiar tale. Yeah, um, Dalton Kellett, I'm sure, is very nice and bright student, and he would have an incredible future as an engineer in this sport. This driving thing ain't worked for him. He has an average finish of twenty one point three. <laughs> that's, that's lower. That's two tenths of a position lower than Jimmy Johnson. What? Yeah. Worse than Johnson? Yeah. Oh lord. Oh man. And he wasn't. He wasn't that impressive in lights. He, he is a pay driver, and and that's pretty much the main reason why Ford can run two cars. Uh, but then, this isn't really going anywhere. It's bad. All right. RJ, correct me, is Dalton Kellett like the one driver who's like basically even though he's going up the ranks, he's never actually won a race? That's correct. I believe he has never won on the on the road to Indy in his career. Zero wins. And yet, yet, yet he's still here. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I mean again, at least compared to Chilton, at least with Kellett, we all know what the story is here. You don't have to read the tea leaves very hard to get what Dalton Kennett is about here. He's a pay driver. Simple as that. And yeah. if it's keeping Foyt afloat, then so be mm-hmm. it. But we're not expecting anything out of him at this point. It's a, mm-hmm. almost a zombie car. That's the yeah. feeling that he get right now. But the more interesting thing for me is that we now know that Bordet will not be racing full-time in the series anymore. I believe <sighs> he's now going over to IMSA full-time yes. next that was year. Conf- that was made official yesterday that he's going to be driving for Agassi and IMSA on a full-time basis. He's going to be running part of next year's schedule with Foyt, and that will be his last partial campaign uh, as things stand, which 
is a sad way for a four-time national champion to go out, I will admit. Oh. Mm. Like, I've said it before, he's one of the greats um, in, in North American racing as far as I'm concerned, and it's it's a bit of a sad one to see Seb go out a bit sad, on the, especially even, even more so when it's part-time, because it's just, mm. you know... It's like, hey, Seb's here. Oh, he's not anymore. He's, 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 in, he's in sports cars now. Um, I, I mean, one of the things is, what, what Seb's done with the team, the last time Floyd looked this good was when they had Daly and Munoz. Mm. That's the last time they... <laughs> that's the no. last time they had, they look, their cars looked this good through, with Bordy. What a nice team that was. It was like, Daly's here, like, Daly's finally got something, and then Munoz, we knew, was really good, and then they both got cut at the end of the season. All of that potential ruined, squandered, thrown down the drain, flushed down the toilet, with with no courtesy flush. I thought that Carlos Munoz was going to be one of the greats. He was a contender, goddammit. (laughs) One of the genuinely best dudes at the 500. That in itself was worth having him on for a year because uh-huh. he was an outstanding. He was an outstanding 500 driver, runner-up in the past, and you know another day he wins that year that Alex Rossi won on fuel mileage. It was it, he was incredible in Indianapolis. That in itself was an asset to a team, and uh, yeah, nothing. And uh, now it's Kellett and Borde probably splitting that 14 car most likely with somebody else next year. Maybe a third car. There's still rumblings about that as well, but nothing confirmed and concrete yet. I mean, King, you're the Bourdais man. Who who do you want to split his car with? Are the options available? Like, who are you thinking? Uh, it's not exactly appealing, is it? It's not, <laughs> not really appealing. I would hope they go for someone, like, if it's Foyt, I hope it's someone from Lights they pick up. If not, if not Robert McGinnis, maybe, mm. maybe. I hate saying this, Devlin D. Francesco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> King, take a drink. It might. I think his tongue's now on fire. I've never admitted that. <laughs> uh, it's like an episode of Hot Ones in here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I've got a name that's come up recently. Um, one-time Formula 3 championship contender Logan Sargent might be ready to call time on racing in Europe, and he's going to be testing at Barber in a couple days by the time we're recording this, by the time this episode comes out. He'll have probably already tested at Barber, and he's a prime candidate to take over the 14 car, which has also been shopped around the likes of Tatiana Calderon, mm. now in WEC and Super Formula. I heard Dan Tickham's name thrown out there, but I've heard nothing on that since. And could you imagine replacing Sebastian Bourdais with Dan Tickham straight up? I I, I, I want is the the one thing that's appealing about him going to that team is how long before Foyt just grabbed him by the throat and pinned him against (laughs) the wall and went, Now listen here, you little shit. Rock bottom! Rock bottom! Yeah, so just like literally in spring training, we're just gonna hear rumors. Yo, you heard Floyd punched out that English kid? <laughs> this, this, this almost 90 year old man just rock bottom and kicked him through the, first, through the pit box. 
Love it or not, I would pay good money to see it. Um, <laughs> I would pay UK pay-per-view price. Uh, like, forget Fury Wilder 3. I would pay the 25 quid to watch that fisticuff. Um, that, that that would be fun. Although, my God, like, just the sentence replacing Sebastian Bourdain with Dan Tictum just makes, like, it makes my brain melt just thinking about it. Oh, dear. But yeah, a lot of the names been flying around that 14 car. As mentioned, yeah. nothing confirmed on the 14 yet. Seb right. actually took to Twitter yesterday to basically confirm that there is no news regarding <laughs> the rest of his car just yet. So uh, uh-huh. that was um, fun. Tatiana probably makes sense to share Bordet's car because Bordet's car was the one sponsored by Rocket and she's oh. also sponsored by... Yeah, she's no longer sure. sponsored by them. Yeah. Yeah. Although, again, the the internet will explode from the hardcore junior racing fans if they find that Tatiana Calder and shit house with IndyCar suite. <laughs> I mean, if you're you're going to test the waters, sure. it's probably the best seat for her to go to because yeah, you're you're at the back of the field anyway, and you mm. just have to be better than Dalton Kellett. Sorry, yeah. Dalton Kellett. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Dalton. You seem like a really nice guy on Twitter, but like. The bar subterranean I, here. I mean, um, the, the the thing I did love about him was when they were doing the eye racing. Every time they've done an eye racing thing, Dalton doesn't half arse it. No, because uh, for this year, he built his own rig out of wood and like wow. soldered it himself, and then he had a VR headset. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> that is a commitment to the pit right there. Where to go, Dalton? It's, like, <laughs> it's like I have an engineering degree, and I'm going to use it. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Dalton, right. if you want to give up the striving thing, I, I hear AJ Point Enterprises could use some engineers. <laughs> <laughs> Dale Coin Racing. Dale Coin Racing, everybody, and uh, as I call it now, the People's Champions. Um, of IndyCar after the one, at least from one half of the garage anyway. Uh, in the 18, we had Ed Jones. He was 19th overall, was at a best finish of 6th. And in the 51 car, you know him, you love him. Rick Ware. Romain Grosjean. Uh, <laughs> don't let the championship position of 15th fool you. Let's not forget he didn't race in the ovals and, of course, the 500, but he did have a pair of second places over the course of the season including that wonderful one at Indianapolis where he, mm-hmm. where he was uh, challenging for the win on that occasion and uh, was well, was awesome. Um, so we have to talk about the revelation that was Rogro this year and what to make of his first overall season in IndyCar, folks. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, like 10-season like 10 veteran, well, 10-plus season veteran in Formula 1, like, definitely shows. It definitely shows. Yeah, the experience absolutely came through, and like we, as Zoe alluded to earlier, on the other end of the Chilton scale of commitment, mm-hmm. um, my man was all in. You know, brought the whole family over. Mm-hmm. You know, had to talk the wife into like, can we do the five hundred next year, please? I, you know, like he he knew if he was going to do this, he was going to have to make the commitment. And literally lived in a motorhome for half the year. And My man bought himself an RV. He did it the proper way. <laughs> <laughs> he bought Raul. And then, because he'd done all the testings, he'd done everything he could. Every 
track he went to, he got a firefighter T-shirt. <laughs> love, love that. Just leaning into the Phoenix nickname completely <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and great. it was, I mean, the the thing that really showed that he'd really been accepted, Laguna Seca. Damn that race. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you ever wanted the complete Romain Grosjean experience, it was the last 20 laps of that race at Laguna Seca. Alternate strategy from Dale Coyne, because we all know they love a good alternate strategy at Dale Coyne Racing. Right. 20, tw- 20 laps, alternate stint tyres, two seconds a lap on the field, blistering pace, clumsy incident with, with Jimmy Johnson <laughs> at the top of the corkscrew that probably d- dented him at least a chance at second place. But hey, no one cared because it was Grosjean, it was fun, he was on the podium and he got a stand innovation and a curtain call uh-huh. on the Guna Seekers podium after finishing third. They love him here. It, it, like, it is it is actually incredible to see just how many people have gotten on the wagon of Grosjean this quickly. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh. I mean, let's be real here. IndyCar and F1 don't really get along. There's a lot of pretentiousness between both series, rightly or wrongly. So we hate you. On... Yeah, no, 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 yeah. We hate you. Well, we hate you more. Well, why don't, why don't we just... And then it eventually just evolves into white hate makeouts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, just, the fan tech writers get on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're going the Nao free for that one, folks. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was just... It was a big old dick measuring contest often between two series so for Grosjean to come over from Formula 1 and a lot of people rightly or wrongly most likely wrongly were quite cynical about Grosjean's F1 career in general the fact he went winless etc etc you know going over to IndyCar a lot of people look down on IndyCar as a series again rightly or wrongly but Grosjean took it seriously made the commitment and I think people noticed that commitment mm-hmm. yeah. and respected him for said commitment. And by the end of the season, they love him like he's one of our own, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's... Lord knows it took, a, it took... It took freaking Alexander Rossi at least a year for him to be fully accepted as one of IndyCar's own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Roman Grosjean, they just love this dude straight away. And it wasn't even like it was a perfect season because he had some he had some wretched weekends along the way. Mm-hmm. Detroit comes to mind right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's still room for improvement. Overall was good. I mean he, he you could tell he's definitely loving the vibe within the paddock because there was um the fourth of July weekend and it was him, Willpower and Renus Vicky are having this wee barbecue thing. In between two of the motorhomes, um, and R- Roman had Romain had his first Jello shot. Oh wow! And was then giving <laughs> us more. Classic. And <laughs> you actually, you then had Will comment on the fact that, like, yeah, they they didn't let Roman do it himself because they were using an open flame. Ah. <laughs> but he had it, and Roman wasn't quite sure about it. But it was just the fact that, like. He was getting to hang around with all these other people, like other drivers. It wasn't the usual sort of F1 paddock. I think the fact as well that you've got a lot of the drivers, their kids are at every other race. I mean, you had it when he he decided when he was pretty close to saying he was wanting to do it. He turned around to Bordy and went, "Do you know any French schools?" <laughs> 
And Bourdais went, yes. Or we. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, a revelation in and, and, and a good way. Like, F1's loss has most definitely been IndyCar's game. I, I put in the next note on my list, will the real Ed Jones please stand up? Because, like, Jones entered IndyCar as an exceptional-looking rookie mm-hmm. with Dale Coyne. We all said probably too much too soon with Chip in the number 10 mm-hmm. car. Didn't work out. He's gone back to Dale Coyne again in the 18 car, and he's just, again, been kind of there and clumsy and... It's just comments not are restricted on his Jones. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just seems like a big ball of frustration for Ed Jones because we know the man is better than this. At least I think he is. <laughs> I got a, uh, I got some, I got some advanced stats from Drew Benison, the single seater stats. His passing efficiency is fine. His running, he runs well enough in the top five. He holds his position on starts. He actually underperformed his expected points this year. Uh, which means he, he he was probably a little unlucky. There were times where Ed Jones was due its good result and it just never materialized. And man, mm-hmm. it is frustrating to think that Ed Jones, a twenty eight, a twenty sixteen Indy Lights champion, and we know, yeah, we could go into how that all took place and all, but he he was he was a championship caliber driver in that series for two years. He had some terrible breaks when he was in the European lab because let's not forget he almost had a career ending back injury before he even got to America to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, but last year he was going to run DTM after running half a year with Carpenter. Mm-hmm. That DTM deal falls through. He comes back to IndyCar, and probably the last we're going to see of Ed Jones, the full-time driver, is him getting involved in a championship fight by being in an incident in the Hairpin at Long Beach. And that's not how it should have worked out. Not for the guy who we all said should have been Indy 500 champion, Indy 500 rookie of the year in 2017 over mm-hmm. the guy they eventually voted mm-hmm. in. Say the line, King. (laughs) (laughs) Which line? What's many a line about Ed Jones? The Long Beach line. (laughs) Oh, this is the closest that Ed Jones will ever get to a championship fight. (laughs) Ah, ah, lovely stuff. Uh, No, it's been it's been a turbulent time for Ed Jones, and yeah, just just not a good time for him at the moment. You know, again, I. I'm not sure he's going to be running full-time again. There's a lot of rumblings around the future of that 18 car. Um, you know, a possible... A possible split, maybe, that Vassar and Sullivan yeah. might break off on their own. Vassar um, and Sullivan want to make their own team mm-hmm. independent of Dale Coin Racing. So now it's looking like Dale Coin Racing might have to find a new partner. The hot rumor is that Takuma Sato is pretty much a done deal in what was Grosjean's car. For what is the 18 car now, they're going to be looking at a new partner, and it might be David Malukas and his family's HMD racing team. Malukas, of course, being last year's Indy Lights runner-up. Let's not forget, he pushed Kyle Kirkwood all the way to the last race mm-hmm. meeting of the season. He's, he's not no scrub. <laughs> no. I wouldn't rate him as high as Kirkwood, but I'd probably rate him a little bit higher than Devin Lee Francesco. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad option. You know, Oliver Askew's still on the table. Because of developments of Ray Letterman. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got plenty of options there, but I do think they're going to need some scratch to get that, get a two car team going on a full time basis. 
I will say they have much better options to select from than they once did in years past. Because yep. I can yep. remember the times distinctly when Dale Coyne was forced to field two car efforts of Rodolfo Gonzalez and Francesco Dracone. Oh. This decade! Oh. Dark days. Oh, It's bad. Oh, it's better oh. now. It's so much better now. Also, by the way, shout out Rick Ware Racing. The first competent American racing team you have put together in your existence. Fantastic work. <laughs> Good work indeed, Adele Coin. Love the way you see how that one rolls out there. Let's move to Uncle Ed, Oval Master and Space Guardian over at Ed Carpenter Racing. Now, again, we had number 20 car that was split between Ed's Oval runs, including, I think, Ed was fifth at the 500 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just not going to happen for Ed at the 500, is it, poor guy? Um, and Connor Daly that filled in the rest. Um, Daly was 18th overall, didn't crack the top 10 all year um, in, in that in Carpenter car, which is a shame. But on the 21 car, we had Revis VK, and uh, he's fun. Uh, okay, man. He was, he was, he was 13th uh, in, in the championship, as well as getting that first win uh, in Indianapolis's road course as well. I mean, we, we kind of have to zoom in on the 21 first, and... I think he might still be a little bit rough around the edges, and I think this is only really because I call it Jonas Volga syndrome, where it's like, you had a great, like, sophomore season here. It's just a shame that some other guys around you had, like, really ridiculous, mm. like, young, young person seasons around you. But this is, like, a very promising prospect here in Rina's VK, no? It probably didn't help the cycling accident either. Yeah. No. Broke his collarbone in between Detroit and Miss Road America. Came back from Mid-Ohio. After he came back, he didn't finish in the top ten for the rest of the season, which included mm. two wrecks and a fuel pressure failure that knocked him out of the Long Beach Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. He was as high as fourth in the standings after the first race at Detroit. He dropped to twelfth at the end of the season. Mm. Mm. That's the only thing that's given me this full keeping endorsement of Renus VK because his second half of the season was a lot more like a, what we'd expect from a rookie. But the first half was just spectacular. Um, that, that, know, pass so. at, that pass at Indian made. Mm. And he was competitive in the 500. Mm. Made another fast nine. Ran up mm. front for most of the race. Yeah, one of the few guys in the Chevy who can make it work around Indianapolis, and that in itself is a big, is a big old ace in the hole, in the hole for for him and for Ed, because we all know what they're really here for. They want that five hundred so bad. Um, you know, I, I think Renus is a, is a incredible talent. It's just again, we have three or four of those now, so it just doesn't feel as special. It's not fair. With Renus, I wonder how much like he would benefit more if he had a full-time teammate with Ed being in his box, for, especially for, like, the ovals, because that seems to be where he's very... Like, as good as he is at Indy, he seems a bit... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm laughing at, at, because I remember that Connor Daly's sponsor was officially tired of pricks, question mark? Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember Oh, yes. Dark yes, days. As the kid would say that earlier, dark days. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, Renus is great. Like, that's the best prospect that team has had through its door since New Garden, in my opinion, quite comfortably. Sorry, Spencer. Um, hmm. But uh, the, uh, the, 
the 21 is interesting to me. Now, Ed, we all know, is still very self-indulgent. He's going to run his oval rounds because that's what Ed Carpenter does. You know, they'll run the third card during the 500, no doubt. Is this the end of Conor Daly as a full-timer? Because it's like we've we've rooted for Daly for a long time for him to get something full-time. And it just, when he has gotten these full-time opportunities, he's just not quite been there. And he's 29 now. He's not a young man anymore in the context of IndyCar, especially as the sport gets younger. Daly kind of sticks like a sore thumb now. Like, is is this the end of the road for him? Um, I'm thinking it may be. Mm. And I don't even think that a lot of these results, his bad results, were his fault. Because think back to the Indianapolis 500. Who led more laps than Connor Daly? Nobody. Connor Daly led forty laps, most of any other driver. So and then he got and then he got clipped on the nose by somebody else's wheel. <laughs> that is the bad luck Connor meme in a nutshell. <laughs> and I think yeah. I look at him and he's starting to branch out and do NASCAR, and I think he may be ready to move on at this point. It's mm. a shame. Regarding the future of the twenty car, because I know that Ryan Hunter Ray who's now a free agent, is going to test, you know? I feel like Ed would be best in that third car to run, like, the Indy 500 and some of the ovals if he wants. Because Ryan had a race, still got value as a full-time driver. And he'd be yeah. the best fit to take over that 20 car on a full-time basis of all the available options. Yeah, like, of all the talent that I've seen left in the open, Hunter Ray has Definitely the biggest, the best. You cannot tell me that Ryan Hunter Ray is just content to be a road course specialist. (laughs) (laughs) No, sure. Again, he wants another five hundred. Why wouldn't you be thinking that? You know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's absolutely a prospect indeed. Uh, Yeah, I I hope it's not the end for Connor. But at the same time, I've always rooted for Connor. I always he's he's one of the genuine, you know, personalities of IndyCar. But it it just feels like the end of the road for him uh, as a full timer in the series. Um, speaking of end of the road and also some, uh, in- a very interesting lineup for next year, Mayor Shank Racing, where it was all change. Um, and, well, they hit the jackpot. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Number 60, Jack Harvey, 13th overall. Like, it, it feels weird to say this. Jack Harvey didn't get on the podium this year. Not a lot of Weird. 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 Weird indeed. In flip the numbers around the 06 car, and that was Helio Castroneves part time. And it says in my notes here, Indy 500 winner. Um, yes, Helio won the Indy 500 for Bayer Shack Racing. Everybody in that team lost their damn minds, and rightly so. Um, we'll talk about Helio a little bit in a minute, but uh, Jack Harvey, when I was drawing my notes up for this show, I was shocked that. To remember that Harvey hadn't even touched the podium all year and was actually 13th overall, because it feels like he was better than that this year. Am I crazy for thinking this? No. No, he, you're not. He did. Are you go? <laughs> I want to make the point that, like, uh, when I, by the time this episode comes out, race fans will have their top 10 IndyCar drivers. I wrote that. I put Jack Harvey in number 10 over Reynas VK or Simon Pagano because... Look, you expect Simon Pagenaud to finish top 10 in Penske equipment. You don't really expect that out of Jack Harvey. And Jack Harvey didn't end up off the podium for lack of effort because there were multiple occasions. The second race of tests immediately comes to mind where he at least has a podium in the bag and then his wheel bearing breaks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that now. 
Yeah, and I know. I think, I think Indy Road Course he was running top three, top four as well, mm. and then he had a mechanical issue there as well. I mean, and yeah. it's, I think there was one where he had a pit stop. It was I think there was once or twice where it was the pit stops as well, and you're like, can we please give this man a break? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I still saw the sad man video of him basically still going up after the race and thanking every member of the pit crew mm-hmm. for all their hard work. Because that's the sort of person that Jack mm-hmm. Harvey is. He's one of the one of the nicest dudes in the paddock, is what everyone has said. Um, it, it, he, I don't think the results tell the full story with Jack. I think he's a. Mm-hmm. Think, I think he's one of the f- most improved drivers in the series over the last oh, two or sure. three years, and he finished the year hot. Four top ten finishes in the last five races. Just mm. what you need to impress your new bosses as you're hitting the free agent market and going to another organization. Yeah, we got the word. It had been an open secret for a little while now, but it was finally confirmed earlier this week. It will be in the 45 car at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing full time next year. That's a coup for RNL. Mm. I think that's a very nice three-car team. We'll get to the number 30 driver in a minute, but uh, just trust me on this one. It's a good team. Um, Harvey, I think he's a great, great talent, and uh, I think that's going to be a a very interesting ride to see, because I think he's got two very interesting benchmarks alongside him Mm -hmm. next year. What do we make of their 2022 lineup? Because we talked about it a little bit at the end of the season, where it was confirmed that Simon Pagano is going to replace Harvey in the number 60 car. And Helio is back full-time next year in his age 47 season, Um, which is quite... What do we make of that full-time? It's certainly experienced. Um, They're they're winning the best hairdos on the the paddock. Oh, yeah. Hands down. That lettuce Mm. is tight. (laughs) (laughs) Magnificent hair, indeed. But, uh, I mean... What do we make of that as a, as a full-time team for next year? Because that is interesting. Uh, as a full-time team, I'd say, obviously, ultimate goal, try to win Elio a fifth Indianapolis 500 championship. Uh, besides the 500, you know, bigger picture, try to build up a team for mm-hmm. post Castro Nevis Pagano, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, as soon as this was announced, our resident Pagano fan, Cam, on our Discord server was like, it's an Indy 500 death lineup, and that's <laughs> what it feels like. Mm-hmm. You've, I mean, if you were drawing up a list of active runners in the field to win the you 500 in a two-car team, I think those two guys would probably be in your top five or six picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's... It's, if you wanted to, if you're going into this purely with the intention of defend the 500. Oh, it, it's yeah. more than just defend the 500. Mm. Uh, if, like, this is untrodden ground. No, no driver's ever won the Indianapolis 500 five times. If Shank is able to do that with oh. Castro Neves, they're going to be around forever. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. be able to get sponsorship regardless mm-hmm. of Elio even being at the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meyer Shanks a big, Michael Shanks is a big Bush Light guy, right? Like, that's what he ordered after he won the 500. I have a feeling that, like, Bush Light would, would give them, like, a long-term, like, 50-year sponsorship deal at this point. Move over, Auto Nation, and Sirius. We want, we want in on this gravy train. 
Meyer Shank Racing is interesting because I feel like Jack Harvey and MSR are both in better places at the end of their journey than they were before that. Because mm. Jack Harvey's a rookie, Meyer Shank Racing is a brand new team. Now Harvey is leaving to a team that he feels like he could be competitive, but also he leaves Meyer Shank in a position where they can be competitive for race wins on a regular basis. Yeah. Simon Paginode has got to be feeling great because he knows that there is life after Penske. He knows that after seven seasons at Penske, of which he spent 16 of them with his job under threat, he, he still <laughs> can find a competitive seat. And, and, it'll let, and it'll give him an opportunity to go back to sports car racing, which is the thing he loves to do on the side. I don't know if Elio Castroneves is going to finally... Uh, win a national title? Probably not. I've seen his results in the other 500 races. They weren't great. But, you know, it's another year of Elio Castroneve is around for a full season. And who doesn't love that? Probably not going right. to get him an SRX next year, though. Nah. Bull. We'll just have to make do. We'll probably get James Hinchcliffe on commentary. It'll be fine. Sad face. Um... Arrow McLaren SP. Now, if there was ever a tale of two seasons, Arrow McLaren SP probably fits that bill more than any other. In the red corner, the number five car, Pato Award, third in the championship, led the championship on multiple occasions throughout the year, two wins as well, including that barnstormer in Texas. Um, incredible season. On the other end of the coin, the blue corner, the number seven car of Felix Rosenquist. 21st overall? What the hell? Um, this, this was a bizarre Arrow McLaren SP season overall. I know for Felix, it was a mitigating factor. He took an injury in Detroit, of course, and missed significant time through that. But even when he was healthy, this was not a great first year of him for McLaren and Felix. But we'll get to him in a minute. But Pado Award. <laughs> oh man this if there was any doubts at the end of last season this this man is the real deal <laughs> what a word what a talent boss office tremendous really great dude uh fantastic driver he he would fit into formula one if he ever got the opportunity but i'm so glad he's here in indycar right now just doing stuff like hey you're not supposed to pass at texas when half when two-thirds of the track surface is fucking unusable and then he did it in clutch time you're not supposed to pass at detroit paddle carved through the field in the, in the first race and just made it look easy as he took a win the only thing he is missing the only thing he is missing from his game is his ability to mitigate, like, the different tire compounds, because that was the only thing he struggled with going from primary to alternates or from scrub to new sets, depending on the situation. That was really the only thing he was missing. If he gets that around, if he gets around, whoo, multiple championships. Multiple championships could help one. Oh, my God. This is such a good season. This guy's so good. He's still towards 21 years old, by the way. Still 21, 22. He's, 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 he's 22 years old. That's just terrifying to even um, acknowledge. Oh, sorry. I mean, he... Based on how he's... He managed to get me, Mexico to watch the season finale. Yeah. <laughs> he put, but he he put the bill himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bill. There's Pato TV. <laughs> 
But yeah, Pato TV and yeah, like and yeah, Mexico gets behind their athletes. If you, if, if you're big in Mexico, you're big in Mexico, um, which is a huge deal. I mean, I mean, King. I know you alluded to this when we talked about it a bit at the end of the season. Do I suspect the lack of a set of a rear gunner in the seven car was probably it might have been the difference maker that might have gotten Pato over the line for the championship. Yeah. That, you know, you can have a second driver not only to get data and help the first driver performance-wise, but tactically out on track, it would be nice to have someone up near the front with you to help take points off title rivals. And Phoenix let the side down in that regard. He didn't finish in the top five all season. And we know Phoenix is better than this. Um, We saw it in the 10 car. We thought, hang on. Like, they might have something in the 10 car last year with Phoenix. He was challenging Dixon at times. He had, you know, wins in his own right. He thought, okay, they might have something here. Then was like, oh, he's going to McLaren. Okay. And, yeah, from day one, it's not been great for Felix. Um, it looks like he's going to get a second chance next year. Yeah. Um, I, but, I mean, you know, don't say. It, it should be noted that, like, I don't know where it's how McLaren set up their their indie cars, but Pato seems overall he can drive them pretty well. Okay, that's about right. He can drive them really fucking well. Yeah. But Askew struggled last year, even before his accident, or he was sort of getting a hang of it, and then he had his accident. Mm. They never really. And Felix again. I don't know. Maybe it's just. With how they set up the cars, you really need to have the more... Pato has got that very overly aggressive, very, I'm going to make 20 million moves of the steering wheel and you're not going to know how I'm still on the track. <laughs> and I don't know whether for the more smoother drivers, it's not as easy to handle. And that's part of where the... Uh, I would I would have a different stance where at that mm-hmm. point you're kind of asking whether it's not the second driver of the team, whether like Pato's just that fast and that good and McLaren are the team that are actually struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe, maybe it's a Mark Marquez situation where he's papering over the cracks mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> or mitigating some of their weaknesses as a team because... Cause- Pato very you look much around seems- besides Pato, people are struggling. Mm-hmm. Pato very much seems to be one of those drivers where it's there's an issue with the car. I can still drive it. Yeah, he's definitely someone who could drive around a lot of issues, and I don't think Felix was able to do that this season. This is like this was shocking. T- leave the injury aside. He didn't. He didn't make the fast sits until Nashville. He didn't finish in the top ten till that Nashville weekend. We know how silly that race was. Because the thing is that makes me think that it is largely on the team. Is It was like this before the rebrand, where Smith-Peterson really struggled across both cars. Mm -hmm. And then you just put Patricio Ward in, and suddenly he's doing really well. 
Yeah. True. Hinch on the ovals when they had Lena Gain on the team. Robert Wickens all of a sudden being really good in the first year he was there. There's been consistency issues with Schmidt-Peterson for a while, mm. um, certainly. And this might be a carryover from that. Good season, Taylor, um, and the boys at, uh, boys and girls at our McLaren SP, but there's clearly more on the table here. If they really do want to be talking about championship contention, um, you know, like really, really challenging for the title, then I think some more work may need to be done. Yeah, but hey, they've got it. They've got it. They got to get some more engineers. They got to get some more people. And you know, they're thinking of starting a third team. They're testing Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg has changed his tune on IndyCar. He's interested now. He's going to be testing one at Barber. Maybe he's going to be the third driver that helps turn all this around. Or maybe this is just like a third car that's not going to perform as well as Patricia Ward is. Who knows? And all we know for sure that if Nico joins, then Felix has to get a co-carry from uh, Pato in order to be able to look Nico and I. Oh boy, I'm glad. <laughs> boy, Kevin Magnuson's probably glad he's thinking. Glad I'm out of this one. Hmm. No kidding. Look, if you wanted to bring over an F1 guy that can give you a good baseline, there are a few guys I would rather take than Nico Hulkenberg. Sergey Sorokin lost it. <laughs> <laughs> stop it, Rio uh, Arianto. No, really, stop it. Um, <laughs> Rahul Letterman, Lanigan Racing. Everybody, they're next up, and. Uh, yeah, it, it, this was a season that looks a bit like most RNL seasons. Graham Rahal in the 15 car was 7th in the championship, had the one podium this year. We had Takuma Sato dropped off a little bit this year, was 11th overall. He didn't get on the podium at all this year, again, which is a bit of a minor surprise. Sato was always good for a couple of those a year, you'd feel. But uh, not this time round. I mean, again, when I was doing the notes for this team, there was one great big red cross next to the Indy 500, I think, is where the shortcomings for their season was most felt. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Graham Ray Hall had a car that stood a chance at finishing in the top five, and the wheel came off. It literally came out, and it was the only blemish on what was otherwise another consistent... Uh, not the most spectacular, but he's consistently able to get points, is Graham Rahal. And that's pretty much been his story ever since the Universal Air Kit era started. Yeah, he had the car, he had the strategy. It seemed like it was going to be his year to get his face on the Borg Warner, but no. We forgot a tire. <laughs> The the, the the tire of poor judgment came off the 15 <laughs> car and it, and it ruined Connor Daly, who was running in the lead for 40 laps as well, because Connor Daly can't get a damn bit of good luck either. Um, and it's, 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 it was a shame because a better 500 and Rahal's probably in the top five of the championship. And we're talking about the like, Rahal's just still so consistent and, as King alluded to, I think that element is going to be more and more important as the years go by, because this is now such a competitive championship. Rahal rarely has a bad day. Um, like, not really doesn't have a bad day anymore. He just, the, the problem might be he maybe doesn't have the ceiling that some of the other guys in this series has now, but the floor is still incredibly high mm-hmm. with Graham, and that might be enough in this new era, well, new-ish era, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's it's, I mean, it's it's an interesting team going forward, folks. As well, I mean, 
How do we feel Jack Harvey's going to fare alongside Graham? Because those two have had some beef in the past as well. Um, it is going to be terrifying to see <laughs> Jack Harvey at a team with real resources. <laughs> uh, and the amount, well, the the huge vault of experience that Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan has, uh, I'm... This this team's going to be the sleeper next year. People are, mm. are going to... We were going to wonder why a bunch of their guys are out pretty high up in the standings next year. Uh-huh. Should we, should we talk about who's in the 30? Oh. Because uh, it was announced about six hours ago at time of recording. Um, thank, again, thank you, RLL, for dropping <laughs> this on the day. We were, I'm very grateful for it. Taking the number 30 next year will be... Alpine prospect and former the two driver Christian Lungard. I'm like, and I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, oh, that's spicy." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, oh, I like this." Um, I mean, we all saw him at Indy's road course earlier in the year when he stood in, um, and I think that qualifying session where he put it in the fast six at the first attempt mm-hmm. probably did more for his stock than the previous season and a half he'd done at ART. Mm. In Formula Two, they were like, "Oh my god, this kid's quick! <laughs> He's lightning quick!" Um, this was—I uh, mean, it's hard not to get excited about this. I mean, RJ, what do you make of it? There were a lot of good auditions in that forty-five car, which, as we know, is now going to Jack mm. Harvey. We had we had a weekend. We were just like, we can't get rid of Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> As much as we want to, he just won't finish outside the top ten with a broken foot, crashing and qualifying. He did good. Then Lungard comes in, has a fantastic opening weekend with one test under his belt. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then all the pressure falls on Oliver Askew. That car is still quick, but he just couldn't get the results in. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a really fascinating team because I almost feel like Graham needs somebody to push him along to better results. As much as he thrived when he was just the lone dude at Ray Hall about six, seven years ago, mm. I think he he was always wondering, you know, why doesn't he? Why don't I have another car to help push me along the way? Well, now you've got two people that still have a lot of their careers in front of them to help you with that. Mm. Everything's just as you want it, buddy. Go out there and go out there and kick some ass, my dude. <laughs> It, it is hard to believe it. You're almost at 15 years of Graham Rahal in the top tier of North American single seat racing now. And, I like, mean, even. It goes up. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, it goes up. He was at one point the youngest ever winner. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it's He's a been scary around thought. that long. <laughs> and he's still only uh, 32. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he's, he's done nearly 15 years here now. And. Half a decade ago, he was the best man in the championship in Honda. And he was on his own going up against the biggest and best the series had. Juan Pablo Montoya and Scott Dixon. We know what Ray Ray Hill is capable of. Mm -hmm. And now he's gone from basically running on his own to a three-car team. Uh It's crazy how fast RLL has progressed when they can now comfortably run three cars. And now it's an all-star team, essentially. You've got an incredibly high ceiling Formula 2 guy. I, I am on the higher end of, right, of rating Lungard. I think he's a great talent. Maybe not an A-plus prospect, but I think a very high ceiling on Lungard's talents. 
And then you've got Harvey, who was always punched above his weight in the last two, three years at Mayor Shank, and Ray Hall, who we all know can can win races. Again, amazing, he's gone winless for four years now, which is just, just strange to even consider. That's a hell of a team. It's a very strong team. It is a team that I think is only maybe half a step behind the big three, which we'll get to right up right after this. But uh, my, there is a there's a lot to like here. My my favorite fact for this new this new lineup is the average height is six foot and zero point three three inches. Oh boy, <laughs> Jack Harvey are short are five foot ten short. <laughs> 5'10", which, as they would say on Oversimplified about Napoleon, it was average height for the time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's average height and he's 5'10". Not a fair fight. Uh, Gabby Chavez team- out here looking looking, uh, <laughs> looking with, si- with his eyes over on the side. Let's get in the big three. Let's start with Penske. <laughs> yes, we're surprised that Penske is getting mentioned this early on as well. Don't ask us how. But, I mean, the fleet was the fleet, but just overall... A strange season for Penske. Joseph Newgarden was championship runner-up in the end. Second straight year of him uh, finishing and runner-up. Two wins on the year. We had Scott McLaughlin in the free car. He was 14th overall. Rookie of the year overall. The only man to finish every single race in IndyCar uh, this past season. Um, a pretty good rookie year from him. Uh, we had Power ninth overall. Did get a win at Indianapolis's road course. He's almost tradition for Power at this point over the mm. course of the year. Got a win at Indy somewhere. Um, and Pagano, who was one place above him in eighth, um, had a couple of podiums, but went winless on the year in the twenty-two car. I, I, folks, on a sliding scale of disappointing to complete unmitigated disaster, how are we how are we evaluating Penske's season here? Mild disappointment. It would have been a disaster if Will Power missed the Indianapolis 500. And thank goodness he got in. Of course, it didn't end up going much better after that. I, I mean, I listened to the, because I love the fact that you can listen to it on the radios for the app. If you don't already have it, download it. But Will spent half the time having mental breakdowns. He, he, he snapped he was, Detroit. Oh, he, he snapped to Detroit, but even before that, the the first Indy Car Grand Indy Grand Prix, when he didn't make it, he was mad, and it was that kind of a we haven't seen this well since he was fighting with Dario for a championship, mm. and it was this whole thing where it's, you know he's got the skills, but it just. If something could go wrong, it was. <laughs> it's like, Marco Andretti has left, therefore Will has inherited his incredible sense of luck. <laughs> That's the only way I can explain rough. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was, this was, it's, it, it, it's a strange time at Penske overall. I mean, on one end, you've got Joseph Newgarden, who you could make a case is the best all-round driver in the series. Like, he is a superb driver, and we know he has been now for, again, better part of half a decade. He's- My man got shit hot in the summer, and he should have had three wins in a row. He got, he got, he cashed in one of them, ironically, in the one race I was working at, at, on location at the time. Mm. And, and, he, gear- and he had to hold on by the skin of his teeth to get that one, too. <laughs> mm. If that gearbox doesn't break at Road America. Yeah. 
you probably look at it a three-time champion. Mm. It's uh, it's swings and roundabouts because that was a race that was won by Alex Polo because of course it was, um, and New Garden is still so goddamn good. And then around him, you've got Power, who I don't know if we're entering the twilight of Power's career. It's a strange one. Certainly was probably below his expected points mark and was unlucky, certainly, over the course of the year. But he is also now in his upper 30s. And I'm not entirely sure if he's got the temperament to maybe over an entire season win a title. We saw saw cracks. Mm -hmm. He's still quick, but we saw cracks. I mean, look at... Look a bit Ohio. That was clumsy from Will. Mm. That was an unexpected level of clumsy. And Nashville. Him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Nashville was, was if you were a teammate, you were getting taken out. <laughs> and they're now downsizing to three cars because Pagano will not be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um I also wanted to talk about this as well. Like, is this downsizing gonna put more pressure on McLaughlin? It's going to help put more resources on him, yeah. which is going to be good for his development. Because I've said this multiple, we've said this multiple times on the show. He has a very scant single seater experience going into the IndyCar season. It's like a race in Formula Ford before he went to Supercars, and then a cup of coffee in IndyCar before that. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that he fitted, that he finished every race and did this well. It, it's it's an incredible accomplishment for him. Now, is that, now we do have to grade that on a curve, and being a Penske driver, McLaughlin's not going to get that benefit of the doubt going forward. Mm-hmm. No. We associate Penske with excellence. Mm-hmm. We, we don't associate them that- with project drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We. <laughs> so, forgive me, that was my brother in the background there. United have come back to delete 3 2. Um, it's, it's a crazy time for them. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it's. It, it's, it's it's a strange... I mean, we associate Penske with excellence. In their heyday, they were winning 10 races a year. You know, it's eventually going to get to the point where they're going to be asking McLaughlin to be getting on the podium on a regular basis. Mm. And that is going to be the question mark. McLaughlin probably needs another couple of steps to mm. get to that point. I'll tell you one thing I noticed about McLaughlin. He is, he is ready as far as his uh, oval strengths. I know Team Petsky has a lot more resources they can dump into an oval program than a lot of other teams, but my dude looks ready. Mm-hmm. He had a shot to win at Texas, and he definitely should have finished way higher up than he did at the Indianapolis 500, if not for trouble in the pit lane, which affected not only him, but Will Power as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. it's annoying as well, because, like, what's the best of a word in this? It, it, He's going to take another couple of steps forward. He's, he's going to want podiums and race wins. And I'm not sure he's going to be on that level. And it could end up being a similar situation to where Pagano was, where he's always going to be under pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. Because now you've got Will Power, one of the best ever in the series. And Joseph he's on Ugon, a long-term deal. Yeah, and Joseph, who's on, you know, one of the best drivers in the world, mm-hmm. point blank. Um, it's, it's, it's a big... It's a big talent ceiling there he's got to climb up to to fit that bill. And that's what worries me about my Gotham situation. I want to see him do well because I think he's an exceptional talent. Yeah, um, we named an award after him before he even yeah. got here. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, as what you mentioned, the ovals as well, RJ. The Indy 500 is now a serious weakness for Penske. 
Like, they, they just don't get a car up there now. I'm not since, not since Pagano won it, you know, three years ago now. Mm. Like, it just feels like this is, like, this is an anchor for him now. Like, and that's, a, it's the most important round of the championship as well, because again, Joseph wasn't really competitive at the 500 this year. Mm-hmm. We'd know. be talking a much different story if, if, if this race was a lap longer, Simon Pagano feels uh. like he probably could have won it because he drove from the back to finish third. And the yeah. year before that, um, Joseph Newgarden salvaged the top five finish out of it. They've got to figure out something. I don't know if everything's just out of whack because of the arrow screen and how that's changed a lot of it's changed a lot of how everything everybody mm-hmm. does everything, but it seems like it really hit them at the five hundred that long. I would be shocked if they are this bad, uh, not like this like terrible, but like this underwhelming mm-hmm. at the five hundred, especially during time trials. This time again next year, I would be amazed. I mean, there are fairly like well is he should have two wins this season because remember at Detroit when they had the red flag. Yeah, his car then died, and he yeah. basically had to sit and watch Marcus take his win. Mm. And then it was Rossi of all people who had to go over to Well and go, "Calm down, it's okay." <laughs> I do not envy anyone that has to try and calm down willpower. <laughs> not not sound like an easy task. Andretti, another proper mixed bag. We've got. 26, Colton Herter, top five in the championship. Only Polo matched him for race wins. Had three on the year, including that sensational, I think, the best individual performance of the year at Long Beach as well. That was ridiculous. Alex Rossi was 10th overall. Didn't win a race this year. Hunter Ray was 17th overall. Didn't get on the podium this year. He struggled in what we now know is his last season at Andretti after 12 years there. And James Hinchcliffe was pretty much racing her the, the entire year and was down in 20th, but somehow shit housed the podium in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Just because. And it's hard not to talk about Andretti right now without talking about Colton Herter and his future because the, the stories right now are white hot regarding his future and whether Andretti is going to F1 and if, and if they are going to F1. Does her to headline a Andretti Alfa Romeo team, so to speak, alongside Valtteri Bottas? And how do we feel on this one, folks? Because we talked about this a little bit before, but it's now looking like this is there's a serious chance this may actually happen. Um, oh, their their Twitter account teased us earlier on today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we got a team announcement. It's a crypto sponsor in Formula E. Not a dragon! Oh. And it's what? a green blockchain. Whatever that means. <laughs> I. Colton Herta is good enough on merit to race in Formula One. Mm. Let's, let's talk about some early career anecdotes, like the fact that the only people that finished ahead of him when he was in British Formula Four were dudes like Lando Norris and Dan Tickton. One of them's already gotten there. One of them, well, the talent wasn't the issue there. Um. <laughs> He won three races this year. On expected points, according to Drew Benison, he could have easily been IndyCar champion, if not for four backbreaking DNFs, and only one of them was really his fault. Mm-hmm. Everything indicates that he's good enough. At this stage in his career, you feel like, if it doesn't work out, because 
What is now Alfa Romeo Formula One team has got to do a lot of rebuilding before Colton Hurd could be competitive for points. At this stage in his life, Colton Hurd is still in his early 20s. He's still only 21 years old. He could, If this doesn't work out, he could come back to the car and pick up right back where he left off. Good health, Willie. And get back right back to where he was. Hmm. Mm. King, how do you feel about it? I know you talked about it on Twitter earlier today. Yeah, just, just pretty much the tweet was pretty much what RJ said at the end there, where, like, Colton Hurd is 21. He could go have a five-year career in IndyCar, in Formula One and come back and still be, what, how old is Scott McLaughlin now? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 27, 28, I think. Yeah, so he'd be around the same age McLaughlin is right now as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So, and he would still have, you know, 12, maybe even 18 years left on his career <laughs> in, in IndyCar, like... There's nothing to lose for an experience that is literally once in a lifetime. Uh Yeah, look, I'm in the same camp as King, and when he mentioned his tweet earlier, look, I love IndyCar as much as the next guy. I adore this series. I would love nothing more for Colton to be a frontrunner in this series for the next 20 years. He reminds me of Pato in that he's box office. Absolutely blistering breakneck pace. Maybe the fastest of anyone in the entire series on raw ability alone. But when F1 comes calling, mm-hmm. and the opportunity is there to take an F1 seat, you've got to at least answer the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let, let me put it this way. No matter what, Colton Herta will eventually come back to IndyCar. Mm-hmm. And it would do tremendous things for the sport if you were to go to Formula 1, become an international star, and then bring all that attention back to IndyCar. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. You know, it, it, it would be a win for all, for everybody concerned, because I know F1 is also desperate to try and crack America, and you've got one of the brightest talents in North America, period, driving an F1. You know, that's something I think the series is low-key wanted for a good decade or more you know they want an american star they're trying to crack the american market they're not going to, to miami by coincidence um, they're not know, trying to force it they're not trying to go to los angeles by coincidence mm-hmm. <laughs> no. don't you mean las vegas aren't you las, las vegas yeah that's right. <laughs> big difference there um, uh, i know we're trying to erase that certain uh casino chain from our minds but we gotta acknowledge it like <laughs> <laughs> like no the plan is we knock down some buildings and we can do Long Beach again. Oh. <laughs> this is what we're not about to do. No, no. Look, I, what we're about to do is knock down some buildings and do Caesar's Palace again. <laughs> King, King. Did Josh Walker pack you? We're going to put up buildings in the parking lot of Allegiant Stadium, so that way we can turn Allegiant Stadium into Caesar's Palace 2.0. Stop. Stop. This is not all a Formula One Caesar review. I, all, I, all it's Naughty. a hard conundrum, because, damn, it would suck to see Colton Herta have to finish down in the teens every weekend for the rest of his Formula One days. But it's a good opportunity. I, I did it. It's it's a conflict. I would love to see Colton earn an F one. If it's competitive, he's even better. But he's got nothing to lose, especially because he come back right come back in IndyCar. But you'd also love to see him rack up titles while he's still in his early twenties. Ah, it is it's horrible because if you could sit there and 
I mean, it may be now's the best, if he was going to do the jump, now's the best time with the big rules changes, but... It's it's a tough one for me. Mm. It's a tough one for me, because like I said, I, I, I like IndyCar making its own stars more than anything else, but F1 is F1! Mm. It's 50 times the series IndyCar is, relatively speaking, and... It would be a huge win for F1 if you get Colton Herter in there in some capacity with the Andretti name, a name that people know. And if they if they could somehow manage to pull this together in the most optimal scenario, it was it's incredibly exciting. Um, I mean, you'd like to think that based off his own experience, Michael is one is the whole reason he's doing what he's doing is to try and give Colton the best chance. So that he doesn't have the same situation that he yeah. had. Granted, yeah. there were other factors with him, such as not wanting to move a young family, and certainly if he was only going to be doing one season. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think he's coming from it from that particular angle. Uh, no, but just- I think it's that right now, in terms of uh, marketing and investment, international sport has never been higher than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like. Even like international, even like high speed yacht racing's getting a big investment now. <laughs> Thanks, like, <laughs> like it's they're, they're, but that's in terms of Ben Ainsley, not because of <laughs> but like in terms of the opportunity to go from millionaire to billionaire, this is mm-hmm. the perfect opportunity mm-hmm. for Michael Andretti. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to get a better chance than this one. Well, by the by, the way the way F one is at the moment, yeah, and you know it's hard not to dodge, dodge that. And he's one. got the he's now got the perfect way to get um, money to help fund it. Yeah, yeah. With that yeah, new sponsor, with that with that yeah. new sponsor, get it through uh, totally <laughs> legitimate means. And, yeah, the, the funny and, money. And yes, with F one trying to crack America right now, and. Yes, there is another American team. There isn't a team with the racing heritage that Andretti has. If they were to be in F1, every American company would want to sponsor either Mercedes or Ferrari first, and then Andretti second. Mm -hmm. And being pretty much ahead of half the grid in terms of, you know, desirability is really huge. No, that's huge. And and you just think Mario just hang around the paddock? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) He doesn't love Mario's present. Yeah, right. we're gonna we're gonna have the non-executive chairman card game. Just Mario, Alan, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Love that role. Love that role. Just get Mario in a cool hat and everything sorted. Right. We've got to talk a little bit about the rest of the team real quick. I, honestly, oh, would, it be, would, would it be fair to say that Colton Herta masked a lot of issues amongst Andretti mm. this year? Colton because- Herta, if he comes to Formula 1, he's going to have to get, like, spinal fusion surgery <laughs> for carrying that hot entire organization on his back for two damn years. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Alexander Rossi looked better this year than he did last season, but it's clearly not what we've come to expect from him back from 2017 to 2019, his prime. We know Ryan Hunter raised in decline. We know James Hinchcliffe drove a whole year hurt and hurt in physically and hurt spiritually at the way that his last job ended. We've talked about it a number of times. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of bad when your satellite team, Meyer Shank Racing, is out here 
clapping your cheeks every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the with the that, same technical resources. Yeah, like if you put Harvey amongst the Andrettis, he was splitting them in two, and he wasn't yeah. a million miles of Alex Rossi. Like that is a problem. Um, that that shouldn't be happening. Um, it's a bit like if it's a bit like if you're for Ducati in MotoGP when the Pramacs are out doing the factory team on occasions. It's not the best look in the world. Don't, don't do not let Tarnosi jumping up and down and, fool you. It's not good. Um, and it didn't exact at Long Beach based on some of the comments that Rossi came out with after the the incident in practice. It mm. doesn't look like it's going all with. All that well in the background between the drivers. No, it's it looks we, we we've talked about this a little bit in the last couple of years. There seems to be genuine tension in that camp, where it feels like it does it doesn't feel harmonious. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Rossi's gotten more and more grumpy as the years have gone on, Andretti. Well, yeah, um, he's got a long term deal and his results are tanking. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like within the team, all the attention and focus is on Colton Herta, mm-hmm. where pretty much Colton Herta is uh, Mario's other grandson. Mm-hmm. Bam! Yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah. that way sometimes, doesn't yeah. it? Because all the talk has been on. Because we, we first heard the Colton F1 rumors back in April. No. So this has been. It's It's been. It's been the year of Colton Herter being the vocal point of Andretti, even more so than last year when he burst on the scene and won races. This actually felt worse from that standpoint because it's, it's like Colton's been associated with the big things that Alex Rossi wanted in Formula One mm-hmm. half a decade yeah. ago. Yeah, I'm pretty and much. And now like, Colton's the guy now. When you're Alex Rossi and you're you're seeing the team literally trip over themselves to try to fulfill all the dreams that you had, but for another dude. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, one of the things is, he, since they've brought in the aero screen, he doesn't seem to, I don't know whether it's just, maybe it's a driving style thing, but he's one of the drivers that hasn't seemed to been able to adapt to it. Yeah, considering that in terms of experience with the IndyCar, he already had less experience than a lot of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he spent most of his time before this in, you know, European single-seaters. Now he moves over to a, a heavy American single-seater, made even heavier. Mm-hmm. And it certainly affected him. Mm-hmm. Mm, definitely. Uh, this this feels like a changing of the guard. We've got Romain Grosjean coming in in the 28 car, it's already weird seeing Grosjean in yellow. It just, mm-hmm. It's just, it's incredibly strange. I was getting so any. used to him in purple. <laughs> yeah, purple's a cool color, and now he's in the yellow of DHL. It's just <sighs> weird. We got Grosjean in the 28. We don't know the 29 yet. I mean, we were teased today thinking it might. Surely it's I Kyle Kirkwood. I don't think the tease was going to be that. I don't think it was going to be, because I know that they're still evaluating Kirkwood, Kyle Kirkwood, and Devlin DeFrancesco in the 29. The hot rumor is DeFrancesco's got a lot more money to fund a full-time seat in the 29 car, which is probably something that car is going to need. They still want to do something with Kirkwood. They don't want to let him go. It doesn't look like they're going to stash him in Formula E. Mm Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like they can commit to him for a full-time ride unless Colton Herta 
is suddenly free, unless that 26 car is suddenly freed up by a driver going to another series. Mm. Well, the lineup, the potential lineup of Herda, Grosjean, Kirkwood, and Rossi. Honestly, mm. that'd put Rossi at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> uh-huh. Which two and, years and ago would be preposterous. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right about Marco in the back as well, sorry, but that's a preposterously good lineup. If, mm-hmm. if Alex Rossi is your fourth guy, mm-hmm. like, that's an outrageous team lineup. Um, no matter which way you slice it, but oh, there's a lot of hoops to jump through before we know mm-hmm. exactly what's going to be going on with Andretti. And that's just an IndyCar, let alone other potential series they could race in. We might know more after Cota this weekend. We might not. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I think there'll be a few more twists in that story just yet. Final team on the list, Chip Ganassi Racing. And, uh, well, this went well. (laughs) Um, What does it say about a mainly three-car outfit? We'll get to you in a minute, Jimmy. (laughs) <laughs> when all three of your team's cars get in the top six of the championship. Marcus Ericsson, multiple wins, sixth in the championship. Scott Dixon, second in command this year. Weird to say. Fourth overall, only the one win at Texas the first time round. And then the champion, Alex Polo, three wins on the year. Like, we have the biggest Alex Polo fan in <laughs> motorsport in this Discord channel, in this, in this Riverside studio. We've got the two biggest Alex Polo <laughs> fans here, and I don't think even those two thought that this was possible. <laughs> uh, I, I think it says a lot about how strong Ganassi is right now when two of their drivers got more wins than Scott Dixon. Mm-hmm. Marcus Erickson had two wins to Scott Dixon's one. What universe are we living in? <laughs> Marcus Erickson went three meters up in the air and clinched more wins than Scott Dixon. <laughs> Scott Dixon had a terrible season by his standards, which means he's still finishing the top five in the points again. He still led most of the race at Texas. He still led more laps than any other driver in the season. But, you know, that's Scott Dixon in decline, which means that's still a really excellent driver by any other standards. I mean, he's 75 laps off being the person to lead the most laps at Indy. Yeah. And he's only got one of them. Only got one there. And he'd he'd probably trade in all six of those national titles he has for for one more 500 win. Yes, that's right, folks. Big Ralph the Palmer vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's right, yeah. folks. Scott Dixon once again failed to win back-to-back championships. <laughs> again, like one of the greatest drivers in North American motorsport history by any measure. Can't it, win back-to-back. Know, can't defend titles. What a strange criticism to have. It's like in cricket with Joe Root. Oh, he can't convert 50s into 100s. What a problem to have. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. I, I mean... I think... Yeah, go on, sorry. The other stat in regards to Dixon is this is only the sixth year since Ganassi made the move over to IndyCar back in 2003 that Dixon has finished outside the top three. (laughs) And two of those years were when Toyota was shit at the end of their run. Like, just to emphasise, like, how... Like... 
Yeah. Like, this is why I selected him for the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. Like, look, Dixon is one of the greatest drivers of the 21st century. By any measure and order of magnitude, he is a monster. He is a freak in the context of IndyCar. Polo beat him in his house, and that might be the most significant part of this. Chip might not have to rely on Dixon carrying the team anymore. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is a game changer. Because you have had that since Dario Franchitti was forced mm-hmm. in retirement. Yeah. They had Ericsson and Polo have five wins this year. Mm-hmm. Five in one of the most competitive IndyCar seasons we've we've ever witnessed. Dixon doesn't have to be the first port of call anymore mm-hmm. if Polo can keep this up. Yeah. And if that's I- the case... Chip Ganassi is going to be a very different team going forward. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. They have a team, not just one exceptional driver and someone who's maybe not quite as good in the number 10. They have two elite drivers now. That is a terrifying... Look, if if Ericsson can keep this up (laughs) for another... He's a bit of an outlier in the grand scheme of things, but... If, if your third best guy is finishing sixth in the championship with multiple wins, you've got an exceptional racing team around you. There's no doubt about that in IndyCar oh, yeah. right now. And I've seen things from Marcus Erickson these last, since he came to Ganassi that makes me think, this is a little bit sustainable. You know, the way he got those wins, very fluky. But the peripherals around it suggest, yeah, it could still be pretty good for a little while longer. I mean, yeah. Since he's joined Ganassi, he's definitely, like, the consistency that he sort of showed Showed hints of uh, Smith Peterson. He it's it, it was still there, but he was getting better results. So the fact yeah, that he's now he, got wins is just improving that. But th- there is clear sign of significant improvement, and that's about as much as you can ask for, mm-hmm. especially from your number three driver. Uh-huh. You know, if that's happening for your number three guy, mm-hmm. again, you're in you're in excellent mm-hmm. shape. There's no doubt about that. You've got Dixon, you've got Polo, you've got Marcus Ericsson, and Jimmy's here too. We all <laughs> love Jimmy. Helmets for everybody. And, and he's know, a rookie again, again. He's a rookie again. He'll he'll be taking part in the 500. Races. That'll be a big deal. Just having mm. Jimmy Johnson take part in the 500 yeah. is a huge deal. There'll be a lot of people tuning in yeah, for that. That, was, that has been the end game of this whole Jimmy Johnson IndyCar experience. Because we know the end game was not like finishing in the twenties every weekend and spinning a couple times at every road and street course. Race. <laughs> no, it's Jimmy Johnson getting to run the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Yeah, the mm-hmm. stuff of dreams, the stuff of fantasy talk. Maybe half a decade ago, and now, fingers crossed, it'll be happening in twenty twenty two. And that in itself is huge. I mean, is there anything to change about Chip Ganassi going forward? I don't think there is. They're just exceptional, and I mean, you know, where the things. Know, um, yeah. One of the things uh, when they done the testing at the start of the year, apparently Dixon knew there and then that they'd finally. Apparently, he himself knew they finally got someone who could compete with him. <laughs> wow! Which says something. If you're just doing testing, he's like, "You are the one." <laughs> <laughs> this is a man who had Dario Franchitti as a teammate. And he was like, "Dario was good, you know. Felix was okay. This kid." Mm. <laughs> This chicken he's had man, Dan he can drive. He had Dan Weldon as well. Like he has had, like, and Tony Canaan as well. Like he has yeah. had great drivers, proper teammates, and since Daryl 
like after his last championship that after that Scott Dixon went back to being the guy the only guy who was winning for Ganassi mm. yeah last year um, Felix won a race as well but Dixon won more stuff this is like the first time in his entire IndyCar like or the first time since Dario that he's had, had teammates that could actually like compete with him Mm-hmm. But he's Huge. not had to sit there and go. Yes, I am. I am competing against Penske. I'm going to have to hope the other Honda cars are good because my teammates are shite. <laughs> <laughs> and now you may not have to have that problem anymore, and mm-hmm. that that might be refreshing in itself. Mm-hmm. That, my friends, was IndyCar in 2021, and uh, what a what a fun time we had. And uh, said it before, it is. Like I, I, I sing MotoGP's praises on a regular basis on this show. I will let you in on a little secret. I've already sent my ballot to Jason that IndyCar is my series of the year this year. This was just a fun as hell season to watch and enjoy and witness. And yeah, like it, 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 I, I, I look forward to the future of the series and the parity that it looks like is coming through the young talent that now more than belongs and seeing where the series goes from here because this was this was great I really oh it. yeah I think one of the other things that made this season really good was just like you had like the we say story where when Pato was taken on by Red Bull and Red Bull were trying to figure out how they were going to give him enough points to be an F1 driver and they sent him to Super Formula mm. and Alex was like you speak Spanish, I speak Spanish. Yes! <laughs> and there's the story about, like, pa- Pato asking Alex, like, what what to do about breakfast? Because they all keep eating fish and I don't want fish for breakfast. <laughs> and he was like, and apparently Alex's solution was, yeah, uh, go to a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Healthy. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got, you're, they, they quickly embrace that combini life. Over mm-hmm. there. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's great. But it was, and that's the little, t- the, the little parts of IndyCar like that is what often makes and they were, it so The two of them that. were so happy for each other when they were doing mm. well. And even you had, like, when Pato finally got that win at Texas, one of the mm. first people to go and gra- congratulate him was um, Colton. Mm. Mm. The youngsters are nice. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a nice vibe. Uh, so... Yes. So next week, Formula One, Hamilton and Verstappen beating the shit out of each other. Great! Um, I'll be there. A, yes, and RJ will be there as well. So, yeah. So say hi to RJ if you're going to be at Cota this um, mm. this weekend. Say hi to say hi to RJ if you're there already. We mentioned it on Twitter as well, but be there already. It's a double header next weekend. Um, Formula One, the American Grand Prix, the Circuit of the Americas. Now with extra bumps um, and. MotoGP's season season continues at Misano. We didn't even really mention this. Valentino Rossi's 44th and final race in Italy? Yes, and speaking of doubleheaders, uh, the W Series has a doubleheader to end mm. off their year. And right now, their championship is in a dead heat, a tie at the top between Alice mm. Powell and Jamie Chadwick. Let's go. Well, at That's least... 
<laughs> at least that one driver isn't a nut he, since she's not able to compete. <laughs> yeah. Iris Sidorakova is not going to be there this weekend because she's from the Russian Federation and her visa was denied. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Jesus, that's brutal. Um, so, yeah, big weekend in motorsport. W Series finale. Formula One at Cota. You know, MotoGP. First championship match point for Fabio Quartararo this weekend. A win at Misano wins him the championship. It is as simple as that. Any finish ahead of Francesco Bagnaia wins him the championship. Also, as mentioned, Valentino Rossi's final race in Italy, which is a... Strange thing to even say after all these years. You'll be um, able to see the flare smoke from space. Oh, yeah. Oh, there, there will be... The, do not let the attendance limit of 10,000 fool you. <laughs> not happening. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. Um, it is going to be yellow as far as the eye can see in northern Italy. Trust me on this. Um, it's going to be we'll all be there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun seeing all that happen and then Fabio completely piss on the bonfire with his world title celebration if he wins it, which is quite likely. Although, Cambania did the double to keep the title alive till Portimao. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, all of that and Formula 1 at Cota as well. That's bound to be fun because Lewis Hamilton loves Cota. So that's going to be interesting. All of that and that will be talked about on next week's show. But thanks for listening to Only Car Season Review. Uh, I've been Dre Harrison. Fez, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. Our personal handles on Twitter at Harrison 101 HD. At RJ O'Connell. At Ryan Eric King. At Wee Zoe. Check out Cam as well at CBuckley917. Uh, website Motorsport101.com. Um, and again, if you want to follow all the details on our website Motorsport101.com. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101 as well if you want to back us financially on there. We'll be back next time. Cota, Misano. It's going to be wild. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, David RJ O'Connell, and Ryan Eric King. Thanks to our special guest, Zoe Hamilton, as well. Thanks for joining us, as always. Until next time, Sayonara. I am Indy, y'all. Honestly, I'm My just having a wholesome bite. Do- oh, bugger. <laughs> I'm just having my wholesome back to all the fried chicken he wants. <laughs> <laughs>